Hey everyone, and welcome back to my channel, Intern. Today's episode, we're going to be covering the number one mistake that people make when it comes to their resumes. I teed this up on our most recent episode, and as you can read in our summary on YouTube and a couple other places on social media, I intend for this podcast to come out two times a month or bi-weekly. Um, unfortunately, I, <laughs> after being around some little ones babysitting and volunteering with some high school students, came down with a pretty nasty case of bronchitis. So if I am not sounding like myself during this uh, episode today, that's why. Um, I'm feeling like 80% and I just didn't want to wait to <laughs> record an episode because um, I'm already behind, right? I should have released this episode last week to be on schedule. So thank you for your patience if you are waiting to hear this or watch this. And if not, welcome if this is your first episode. So we're going to start from the top. I want you to make sure you are seeing all of the posts and information about upcoming episodes. So if you follow me or follow Intern on Facebook, you would have seen my post announcing that I was sick um, and that this episode would still be coming just a little bit later. Um, so if you're not already, make sure that you are following the pod on Instagram and Facebook. I also have a Twitter. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't use it quite yet. Um, but you can definitely tweet at me and I can get messages that way. Um, so make sure to follow us Instagram and Facebook for sure um, for updates regarding the podcast. Um, please, if you have not, and if you are currently watching on YouTube, please do me a huge favor and hit that subscribe button. I know those are like the cliche things people say, like, welcome back to my channel and please subscribe, like and subscribe. And the best way for you to support me is by subscribing on YouTube because hopefully someday I will start getting paid for this great advice that I'm providing you for free. Um, so all you have to do is subscribe and you can help me get some money. Next, um, if you have a question or you have a comment, you can absolutely access me through social media, but you can also send me an email to askintern, A-S-K-I-N-T-U-R-N at gmail.com. So askintern at gmail.com is a great way for you to send in your questions. I'm going to start building this into the podcast as I start to gain more listeners and followers and all of that good stuff. Um, I expect there to be questions in the future. I would love for you guys to vote on what topics I talk about next or what guests I have on because um, we're going to start having our first guests very soon. So be sure to save that email somewhere so that you can send me a message let me know what you think. Give me some feedback, good, bad, otherwise. Um, I want to hear from you. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. All right. So the forward before we jump into this content around um, your resumes, because we're going to talk about resumes today. Make your resume work for you. If you are sending out application after application after application, and you're not hearing back from uh, people, um, sometimes it's that the document is not working for you. So I would strongly urge you to consider pausing before you just, you know, rage apply is the terminology they're using now, um, before you just rage apply because you're not happy in your position or you just want a job before you graduate. I would strongly urge you to make your resume work for you, make some changes because it's going to be a lot better when your resume is working for you and you're not busting your butt to try to find a position. And I have to take my own advice. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit more about my career journey. So I told you a little bit about this in the about me like intro episode. Um, so I don't know if I told this full story, but when I was a freshman at the University of South Florida, go Bulls, I became friends with the two girls next door. And one of them, who is now a nurse, um, she was a freshman just like me. And she was like, hey, I have this part time job, but um, I'm actually planning on going home to like the Daytona Beach area this weekend, which 
if you know Tampa to Daytona, I think it's about a three hour drive with traffic. Um, so it's not like she could just zip home like I could to Tampa and zip back in an hour. Um, you would get paid $10 an hour. You would get wedding cake. And basically what you would be doing is taking pictures of drunk people at the wedding in the photo booth and the picture would print out. You would give them their copy and then another copy prints out. You glue it in a scrapbook and you ask them to write a message to the bride and groom. So I was like, I get paid to go to a party and I get to have wedding cake, like one of the best things in the world, sign me up. And I just really fell in love with the idea of event planning and not being stuck behind a desk, you know, and that's what one of the great things about campus recruiting is sometimes you have days where you are quote unquote stuck behind a desk, but other days, a lot of days you're out in the field, you're going to networking events or career fairs or speaking engagements or whatever you're out in the community. So that became my first part-time job in college. And I worked for Shutter Booth for a while. And my boss there is super awesome. And she owns like a million businesses now. She owns a really successful luxury spa. And um, so during my time with her at Shutter Booth, I had a conversation with her probably closer. You know, I got a promotion from the scrapbook artist to the photo booth host. So I learned more about the cameras and computers. I learned how to set up the booth, like all that stuff. It was great. And from there, I basically learned, um, you know, more skills and more people skills and more partnership building skills and things like that. So from there, I really wanted a step into an internship. I ended up changing my major to public relations and um, because that was closest to event planning. So I went to um, my boss at the time and I said, you know, I, I really love working for this company and I don't want to leave. I would like to stay, um, you know, even on the short list. If, if somebody is sick and you need someone to cover an event, um, you know, I would love to stay on the short list. But at the same time, I really need to diversify my resume and get some more professional experience. And I'm very interested in getting a job um, as an event planner. So that's what I want to do with my career. That's what I want to do after I graduate. You know, would you be willing to introduce me to anyone? So she did send me a couple companies um, that I looked into, a couple that I reached out to. And the one that ended up working out on both ends, I wanted to work there. And she was able to refer me in was this company called Confetti Events, as you can see on the screen. So I believe it was like my summer of my junior year. So I worked for Confetti for like almost two years and then got in as a wedding and event planner. And I was assigned to the venue that we had a partnership with on Clearwater Beach because my parents lived really close by. So I lived with them during the summer. So it was a great experience. I learned so much from being a wedding planner still that I use today as a campus recruiting professional and also as a 2023 bride. <laughs> Continued to work there full time until 2015. So I graduated 2014. 2015 uh, in the spring, so probably right around this time, is when my high school drama musical troupe does our spring concerts, our spring musical, our spring um state competitions, things like that. So as a recent graduate, I still had a lot of friends that were younger than me um, who I stayed connected to and I would go back and volunteer and help them with costumes or sets or, you know, feedback or I would jump in and read lines. I would just like to come, you know, when I could um, and I would either take time off or I would go after five or, you know, whatever. I would make it work. So it was really nice to still be local um, and to be able, and still is, to be local and go back to my high school. So I did that for quite some time, and that's actually how I got introduced to Northwestern. So I went to a concert and was walking around, and I saw one of my friends from Troop who had graduated before me, and he used to come back and volunteer and coach me. So now I was coming back and volunteering and coaching other kids. So it was like, again, in turn, right? Everyone's helping each other out. And um, we really are like a family. We really cherish our relationships with each other. And so he and I were chatting and, you know, he was like a, a significant amount older than me. Like we didn't go to school at the same time, 
but we knew each other really well because his younger brother was the grade uh, or two below me. I forget. So anyway, um, he was like, hey, oh, my God, it's so good to see you. Like, what are you doing now? I saw, you know, on Facebook that you graduated from college. And I was like, yeah, man, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I was like, I was a wedding planner for a while. That didn't work out. I worked as an event vendor for a while. That didn't work out. And now I'm a receptionist for a pest control company where people call me every day and they complain about bugs and rats and <laughs> I just <laughs> bed bugs and I think it's so glamorous, but I need to get some career experience and I need to move on. And he was like, yeah, well, that's great, actually, because I'm looking for someone at my team to help do campus recruiting. And I was like, I know nothing about that. And he was like, well, here's the thing. Like, you come back all the time and you help volunteer with high school students. What's the difference between, like, a high school senior and a college student? Not much. Like, they're very, you know, of course, there's a bit of a difference, but they're on the whole pretty similar. So he was like, I think because you really like that space and you resonate really well with the students, then I think you would do great as, you know, a campus recruiter. And so personally, I feel like I owe a lot to him. Um, Copley, if you're listening, thank you for recognizing that in me, because at the time I just really had no direction. I didn't know what I was going to do or where I was going to go next. I, I, I literally don't know what I would have chosen if this opportunity hadn't fallen into my lap. So that was January when I changed my mind. And I think it was right around March of 2015 that Copley was like, hey, I think, you know, you should look into this. It was like March or April. And so, yeah, right around this time. And um, I ended up just going like, yeah, sure. And I sent him a copy of my resume and he sent me a job description. And I remember living with my parents and always and still do go to my dad for every piece of advice. And I sent him, or I, I think I printed it out <laughs> so he could read it. We printed it out so we could read it together. And we looked at the job description and he got so excited. And he was like, honey, this is going to be a great job for you. If you can get it like you, you know, he talked me up because I think as women, we struggle with having confidence if we don't meet a hundred percent of the job criteria. So my dad was a big champion for me and talked that up and said, you know, you need to like apply for this job. You're, you're the right person. You're going to fit this. And I was like, wow. Okay. So I ended up working for Northwestern mutual as their campus recruiter. There were several other people in the process, other alumni from my high school, even um, <clears throat> that I competed against and come to find out later. I didn't know on the, on the front end and come to find out later I secured the position and was so excited and gained so many incredible opportunities and friendships. Like I'm in someone's wedding from Northwestern Mutual next month. Um, she's one of my best friends. Like I've still really cherished my relationship with her. And I was at her wedding shower and I got to see my former boss, Casey. So I don't know if you listen, Casey, but I'm giving you a shout out. Uh, when we were at Trina's bridal shower engagement party, um, Casey was there and I got to just reiterate to her, you know, three years later, I haven't been working with her. I've still been, you know, friends with her online and connected with her and seen her out and about. But this was the first time I like properly got to like sit down with her. And I just was like, I don't want to get emotional, but you were such a great manager and you taught me so much. And you were always there for me when I had a bad day or, you know, I didn't know how to overcome a problem. She was very encouraging of my creativity. And I think one of the huge reasons I am so successful today is her leadership. So she doesn't get enough credit. Um, and she's just an amazing leader in St. Pete and so involved in the community and such a great, strong person and wife and mother. And I just adore her to pieces and look up to her immensely. So that really, you know, you never know what opportunities are going to bring you to what people that are going to change your life. And unfortunately, after nearly five and a half years, I started June of 2015 and then October of 2020 as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, my department was shut down. Um, Casey had moved on from there, <laughs> so it wasn't her decision. But um, basically what happened was um, they were going in a different direction and so 
basically, you know, myself and the other campus recruiter and the consultants were kind of like out of a gig. And that was the first time I had to start the job search again since 2015. So we're talking about a f- almost five and a half year gap during the most unprecedented time in my adult life, um, let alone my parents and everyone else's. I know there's a lot of layoffs going on. I'm affected. I'm a job hunter again, which is why we're talking about resumes. I'm going to show you examples. I'm going to show you the glow up, I promise. And, um, you know, I wasn't always an expert. I don't think I'm a full-fledged expert, but I know enough to give advice um, like I did to my mentee today. So this is definitely a great book and a great resource. So I highly encourage you, even if it's not this book, get something like this. You know, you don't have to take my advice 100%. I think it works. I think it's great. But again, do what's right for you. Because from Northwestern, you know, I got hired at a different company. But from now, you know, I didn't, I didn't, again, I wanted the yellow and blue color palette. So I only kept these three. But from now, it's like big fat question mark. So, you know, I got laid off from my uh, talent outreach position uh, back. I don't even know officially. It was like January 15th or something that I got technically laid off from that company. And so now recording this podcast today on March 27th, you know, I'm going on the third month of unemployment. So once we get to like the middle of April, then my, you know, my panic sets in because last time it only took me three months. So in my brain, I'm like, oh, it's only going to take me three months. Like it'll be fine. Um, But when I tell you the job market is scary, um, you already know it. I mean, if you're listening to this, you know it, Um, but I see you, I feel you, I am you. Um, I think I've said that before, but I'll keep saying it until I have a job (laughs) and then I will only see you and feel you. But um, I started a spreadsheet to keep track and I've applied for 50 jobs in, you know, two and a half months, which is a lot. Um, It's probably rookie numbers compared to other people, but I'm looking for very specific program running positions, campus recruiting jobs. I really love the early talent space or I wouldn't be starting a podcast about it. So that is, you know, kind of the thing is, I don't know what it's going to look like from here, but I do know if I keep using the data (laughs) to make decisions, it's going to work out. So making your resume work for you instead of you busting your butt to try to get these jobs is the way to do it. So we're going to talk about all the ways to make a very clear, concise, and pack a punch in this one page, hopefully one page document that you can send to people in your network, that you can share out on LinkedIn or other platforms, because the most powerful tool in your career search is your network. It is not your resume. It is not how you do in the interview. You know, that stuff matters and that stuff you can learn. The network is something you can influence yourself, but you have to put extra work into that because we'll talk about it. The book talks about it. So yeah, what color is your parachute? I've, I, again, I knew I had a slide on this. I just got too excited. So this is why, because, um, you know, I probably, I probably talk about this a few other times, but there's great resources in this book, but I would say one of the best things that this this book covers is um, the ways in which to look for a job and how, you know, there are um, misconceptions about the job hunt and how things, you know, are totally different. But what's really great is these um, graphics right here on, on this page. If you have this copy, it's on page 12. I almost hit myself in the face with the book. This is why you should be watching on YouTube. Um, it is this really great funnel, um, that I, I'm not going to stick in your face here, but what's helpful is it talks about, um, how to, again, make the job hunt work for you using a resume. Even if the resume is unsolicited, you know, it's, it's a very, low chance that you get a position. Um, Using an ad that you place online, again, we're looking at very, very low chance. I'm going from the bottom up. Um, Using an agency or like a a headhunter, um, 
you know, uh, using a best friend or business colleague, hiring someone who works uh, with a trusted friend of yours, you know, hiring an unknown person who brings proof of what they can do, and then promotion of a full-time employee, right? So those are the best way to find jobs. So it talks about in the book, the way that people look for jobs is the exact opposite way that recruiters look for candidates. A little confusing. Let me explain. What is the way that job seekers look for jobs? If you're a job seeker, you probably already know. Most of the time, you're on LinkedIn, you're on Indeed, you're on Glassdoor, you're on Monster.com, you're on Way Up, you're on Handshake, you're on fill in the blank with the platform name right? We use social media and these other tools to help us find job opportunities. However, as a recruiter or an employer, the best way that they can find talent that they can vet, right? That they can ensure is not going to be a risky investment. It's going to be a good investment. They want to get referrals from current staff or people in the community that they trust. I told you I applied for 50 jobs in the last two and a half months. 99% of the time, if I could, I would get myself referred. Now, if I applied for 50 jobs with, you know, 45 different companies, we'll say, I don't have 45 connections with every company. But there are times where I will look up Fifth Third Bank, where I applied for a job, and I'll say, you know, I don't know this person. I'm connected to them on LinkedIn, so I met them, but I don't know them. You know what I mean? There's a difference between somebody you know that would call you up and ask you for coffee or to babysit their kids versus someone that you met at a networking event once who connected with you. So it couldn't hurt. So I sent the guy a message and I said, hey, I just applied for this job at Third Bank. I don't know how your company system works or if you remember me, but, you know, I would really, really love to interview for this campus recruiter manager position. Um, I have, you know, seven years of experience. So I hit him with my elevator pitch on LinkedIn and why I would be qualified for the job. And I said, you know, I'd be willing to jump on a call with you if you need to discuss more information. But this is why I think I'd be a great fit for the position and why I would really appreciate it if you could refer me in. If you're comfortable, give them an out. If they're like, you know, I'm not comfortable, that's fine. But, um, you know, he was like, oh, sure. You know, send me your resume and referred me in. Did I get an interview? No. I got rejected. So it doesn't guarantee it's going to work every single time, but it doesn't hurt. It's really more going to help your chances of getting in than anything else. So the job that I applied for recently, I have a, a former colleague that works at this company um, and he referred me in. So I felt like that was going to help, but I was like, you know what? I, I know a lot of people that work at this company. It's headquartered in my hometown, so it's not going to hurt to apply. So I was like, you know what? Let me do this. So I went ahead and um, thought about who I know in the 20 connections I have there on LinkedIn that would be the right person to help refer me in. So I thought about it some more and I remembered the head of that department was actually at a speaking event at one of the universities I partner with. And um, I reached out to a contact there and I was like, hey, I know you're good friends with so-and-so. Um, there's a job on their team that I just applied for. You know, would you have any... Um, you know, issue referring me in for the position or would you be okay, you know, giving them a heads up that I applied and letting them know, you know, that I'm really interested. I have this much experience. I've been on the job hunt for, you know, months and I, I really want this job and I'm very, very interested. And you'd be surprised what happens when you ask people for help. He was gushing and so excited and just so supportive and was like, oh my God, yeah, like I'm such good friends with him. I have his cell phone number. Like, let me shoot him a text. I shit you not. Here comes my personality. I shit you not. I sent that text at eight o'clock in the morning on a Friday. And by 11 a.m., I had an email asking me for an interview. So I promise you it makes all the difference. Recruiters want somebody to refer someone in. When I was a recruiter, if I got a text from the managing partner, Kevin, when that happened, you know, that happened on a regular basis where he would say, oh, this is a client's child. Or this is, you know, a contact's um, niece or nephew, or this is a student that I'm mentoring, you know, call them for a phone interview. 
that would happen all the time. And the chances that that person gets in are way higher, not even because of nepotism, but it's again, it's reputableness, right? It's actually knowing this person versus a resume that you find offline that you're like, what the heck is this? I have no context surrounding this. So the more that you can network and leverage your way on the top of that resume pile, the better. But we're going to talk about ways on how to help your resume pass the ATS, the applicant tracking system, and jump higher in the pile and jump higher in the LinkedIn search algorithm. So there's a lot more really great details in the book. I'm not going to keep harshing on them or harping on them. But that brings me to this thought of now what? So that is this idea of, you know, you did all the studying, you have your cap and gown, you got your cap decorated. Now what? This is actually a picture from my <laughs> college senior photo session. I, I did not have a vision for my cap. I had no idea what I wanted to put. And I just had this voice in the back of my head going, you know, I graduated. Now what? Like, now what am I going to do? I, I, you know, I'm going to live with my parents. But now what? You know, that was kind of the, the voice in my head. So that's what I ended up putting on my cap and gown. I found this really fun um, fabric. I think it was at Michael's craft store and I glued it onto my hat. Um, and then I found the pink lights at an auto parts store. <laughs> I wanted my parents to be able to find me in the basketball arena. So I wired a little button on the back of my neck and I would just put my hand up and I would tap my neck and my hat would <laughs> strove so they could find me in the crowd and it worked. Everybody who wanted to find me, I'd just be like, look at my hat <laughs> and I'd light up and it was loud and it was pink and it matched my uh, sorority stole and uh, I had big pink sparkly letters I glued on. It was just my personality. So that is where we are today. Now what? Big fat question mark on, on the career journey. How do I get all of my value and experience written down on a resume? So I want to talk about why, and I'm going to introduce this with the thought of that, that cliffhanger I've been leaving you on. So I want you to send me a message on Facebook or Instagram or email if you were right. And I'll give you, let's give you 30 seconds while I say this to open your email or your, your social media as you're listening to this or watching this to write me a message and let me know if you're right. You could literally just say, I was right. And I'll know what you're talking about. If you guessed it, what is the number one mistake when it comes to resumes? What do people put on their resume that is a mistake that they should not put on their resume? I mean, I'm probably, there's probably a million right answers. But the one common mistake that I see 90% of students or job seekers make, they describe what they did in a position, not how they brought value to that position or organization. Let me say it again. They talk about what they did, not what they did to bring value. Okay, so there's a difference. And I'm going to show you by embarrassing myself. <laughs> but you're probably sitting there thinking, okay, Nichols, why does this matter? Why is this important? It's because when you don't have an ATS, or even if you do, you're a recruiter that still has to look at, guess off the top of your head, how many resumes do recruiters look at in a day? If you go on LinkedIn right now, there's job postings that have 200 applicants. And that's just on LinkedIn. That's not on the company's website. That's not on Indeed. That's not on all the other stinking platforms out there, right? They look at hundreds and hundreds of resumes. So if you're not communicating your unique value and what makes you stand out among the 200 other people applying for an HR generalist role, why are they going to hire you, right? So it's more about what you bring to the table, skills and values and experience and value you brought the company versus what you can do, right? I have never been a bartender, but I've frequented a bar. So I could probably guess the things what bartenders do when they're on the job. They probably have to take inventory. They probably have to balance their drawer. They probably have to smile and greet customers. 
make drinks, put in food orders, so on and so forth, right? That's four or five bullet points right there. Did any of that communicate what makes them a better bartender than the chilies down the street? No. And I know what you're going to say. How can I quantify my value as a bartender? You could talk about upselling tickets. You could talk about um, customer satisfaction. You could talk about relationship building. You're going to relate it to the role that you're applying for, right? So if it's sales, you're going to talk about upselling. If it's fundraising or relationship management, you're going to talk about customer service, right? There's ways to transfer those skill sets across bartending to a career position, right? Why is this important? This is, if you get nothing else out of this podcast, this is it. This resume heat map, I use this all the time when I'm coaching and consulting students and early talent or, you know, career changers. This was, I don't know the context around it. There's an article, you'll find it, Google it. Resume heat map, Google it, you'll find the article. But the long and short of it is there was a study that tracked recruiters' eyes on a resume. The longer their eyes were on a part of this resume, the warmer or hotter or brighter the color was. And the shorter amount of time, the cooler or less, you know, hot the color was. So as you can see, the recruiter read the entire resume. They got a little bored at the end. There's some white spots, but they read the entire thing. So I got to give this person credit because I don't know if I could say I read every single bullet point on every resume I am ever given, right? Our or human beings, our attention span is not much better than a goldfish. You know, you got seven seconds to make a good impression, right? So a recruiter, I would say on average is spending about 30 seconds to a minute, maybe 90 seconds reading a resume. So what is read? Where they went to school, their GRE score, it's a perfect score, the top 10% of their class, the other school they went to, their near 4.0 GPA, 3.7 GPA, the top 15% on the dean's list, where they worked, and that they reduced overhead by 20% or $2 million. As you can see, based on what this recruiter was hiring for, they didn't really need to see much else. They probably moved this person towards an interview because they communicated their value in being a top performer. They got a perfect GRE score. They were in the top 10% of their class for their master's. They were in the top 15% for their undergrad they, on, their, on the dean's list, and they had a really high GPA. Um, they got a job at Deloitte, a very reputable company. And, you know, it doesn't, I don't think it says in what level or how long, but as you can see, if you look, as you jump around, where are the colors brighter? The numbers, 40%, 70, 500, right? The data-driven points are what drives the eye of the recruiter. You want numbers, you want value, right? Because who are you going to hire? If there's a senior consultant, who are you going to hire? Somebody that performed rigorous, rigorous analysis on the payment system of state government and the bullet point stops there, or someone that reduced overhead by 20% or saved a company $2 million. You're going to hire the guy who, or gal who's, or person who, Saves you $2 million. That's just business, right? It's personal because, again, leverage your network. But you got to have the resume to back it up. Okay? So if you have a question on that, shoot me a message. But as you can see, a lot of the data points, and again, you don't want to bury the lead. You want this to be hot at the top of your resume. And this person kind of buried it, right? They have some of the stuff down here about reducing errors by 80% and some other data points that are hit it a little bit down low and you don't want to hide the lead. You want to have it at the top. So here I am putting myself on blast. But before I do that, let's talk about appetizer versus entree. Because that's what these little graphics are supposed to be. I don't know if you got it. Appetizer versus entree. I always say that a resume is like an appetizer. It should be one page, so it should be small. It should be short and sweet. I should be able to get through it in 90 seconds, right? Sometimes those mozzarella hit sticks, the bruschetta hits the table, 90 seconds, it's gone. We're so hungry. It should be enough where I'm like, I'm still hungry for more. Um, and more often than not, I'm really hungry for more, right? After I have the chips and salsa, I'm like, where, where's my taco? Um, 
right? There, there's like some data that proves that uh, Olive Garden's breadsticks, one, are as addictive as crack and two, <laughs> um, make you hungrier. They don't, I mean, personally me, I feel like I could fill up on them, but they don't fill you up. They make you hungrier because they're probably so damn salty, but they make you hungrier for that main course that you're going to get that pasta, that never ending salad. Ooh, yeah. Right now I want to go to Olive Garden. So that appetizer, it's going to pack a punch, right? Think about like a high-end restaurant. You know, you get an appetizer, it's flavorful, it's fun, it's exciting. It makes you want to eat more. It makes you hungrier. It makes you excited for your main course. And, you know, the main course should be, you know, it's like going to my favorite Italian restaurant in, <laughs> in Clearwater. It's called DeSesto's. That is like a four-hour experience. That is a dining experience. It is the opposite of Olive Garden. You get the baked brie at DeSesto and you're like, this is the best thing I've ever put in my mouth. I cannot wait for my chicken piccata to come out. That is what I get every time. I love it. It is so good. And it comes out and you have two bites of the entree and you're like, oh my God, this is so delicious and filling and yummy that I cannot have any more because I need to have dessert. So the interview is the entree. It's that sit down conversation where you can dive in a lot deeper. There's more substance on the table, right? There's a, this analogy works, right? Doesn't it work? You get what I'm saying? Um, where, you know, again, in that interview, you want it to be so flavorful and pack such a good punch that the person gets full on the front end. You don't want them to have a first few bites and be like, I don't really know about this. You want them to take a bite of that chicken and rice and be like, oh my God, this is like the best chicken and rice I've ever had. And it's just chicken and rice. Like, oh my gosh. So make sure you transfer that mindset and that confidence from your resume to your interview. And don't start off by just saying, you know, oh yeah, I'm a senior consultant at Deloitte. Like that resume showed us, you know, in that first elevator pitch where you're introducing yourself to the person, don't be afraid to tell them some value and say, you know, as you saw in my resume, I'm a top performer because fill in the blank. I got a perfect score on the GRE. And in my time at Deloitte, I reduced overhead by $2 million. So I'm very excited about this opportunity because of blah, 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 blah. Okay. Don't overthink it. Don't overdo it. But let's go ahead and give me some secondhand embarrassment on my own resume. Um, first of all, there's way too many things wrong with this resume. I will say this is a product of being told what to put on your resume by a public relations class and not the career center. The other thing I will tell you is you will go listen to another podcast. You'll go watch another TikTok because your phone is listening to you. Listen to this right now. And somebody else is going to give you the opposite advice of, of me. Um, who's to say who's right? I personally think I know a little bit what about I'm talking about, but they could know too. So take everything that I say with a grain of salt. Go prove me wrong by finding some data to back it up, please. Because this, again, we're making these decisions off this book and other resources. Um, you want your name to be clear at the top. I have this you know, headshot that I'm a recent graduate. That could help or hurt me. Right. They're already going to see my education and when I graduated in 2014 right here. Um, but yeah, I mean, you don't need a photo on your resume. That's why we have LinkedIn. Right. Um, you can see my LinkedIn profile. That's not my LinkedIn profile anymore. See how it's like this long URL that nobody could ever remember to type in. Um, you can personalize your LinkedIn URL and we'll talk about that eventually. But there's an easy way to do it when you're on your profile in editor mode. You click on the right hand top side. It'll say like edit public profile and URL. You click on that. It'll open a new window. You can click on the little edit pencil in the same area. Delete what's in the field. Put in whatever you want. Put in your name. Put in something professional. Probably not, you know, Snoopy's Girl 8 because that was my username back in 2006. Um, not Snoop Dogg. Snoopy like from the peanuts. That's, yeah, that's a whole nother thing. But Make sure that you put something in that's branded. So for me, it's linkedin.com slash in slash intern. Boom, my podcast. So it's a talking piece. Um, for me, because I studied public relations, I had a lot of writing examples and some of the positions I applied for were looking for that. So I had my WordPress linked on my uh, resume as well. 
I don't have that anymore. I don't need it. Um, this is censored for my safety and yours right here. Any guess on what this is? You might be right. You might be wrong. This was my full address, but you don't need to put your full mailing address. So yeah, I would say just your city and state and zip code. So um, mine is just Tampa, Florida, and then my zip code, which I'm not going to give you, sorry, but um, you could probably look it up if you're friends with me online. Um, next thing, as you can see on my resume here, I talk about my experience. Uh, this is not really needed. It, this is formatted so terribly. Um, you know, I talk about being a warehouse assistant and how I prepped and, you know, managed inventory for events. If you've never been a warehouse manager assistant, you would know this. You know what I mean? Office assistant, so receptionist. Um, I shared phone answering duties with the two other office ladies. That, I mean, <laughs> again, I process the daily mail and deposit, you know, scheduled appointments. Those are things that don't talk about the value that I brought to that company from 2009 to 2014. There's no wonder I was sending that resume out everywhere and not getting a job. Oh my gosh, I want to go back and shake myself. But I didn't know I had nobody to teach me. And by the way, I'd like to say I do kind of look the same. My hair was a lot lighter back then. I used to dye it myself. Now I go to an amazing um, hair salon in Tampa, Third Eye Organic Studio. Check them out. Um, other error. Don't ever put your references on a resume. Don't ever put references available upon request. Everybody knows if they need a reference, they can request them and you can provide. That's a line you don't need in your resume because you're going to need more space. And I'm going to show you why on the next slide. Don't put your references information. You don't want the cell phone number or email of the person that you highly regard or care about most to get dropped on an office floor. A reference should be in a secure email or message. Okay. So appetizer versus entree. Pack a flavorful punch, one page, make it a good flavorful bite. Don't make the same mistake. This is a very difficult thing to see, okay? I know that my resume is zoomed in quite a bit. This is what I have changed, okay? There's my LinkedIn URL. At the top, I have my professional name with my designation. I have a certificate as a certified diversity professional. So that goes after my name now. It's like having a master's degree. So if you have an MBA, it should be your name, comma, MBA, right? For me, I felt like maybe some of the reason why my resume was being rejected was because it did not have a professional summary. So I went ahead and included that. I talked about the years of experience I have and all of that stuff. Um, then in my next section, I talk about my professional experience. I added my podcast. Um, I want the people I'm interviewing with to know how passionate I am about the careers, early career space that I started a podcast. And as you can see, I said biweekly, I started a biweekly podcast to talk about what we're talking about here. And I want to talk about it in interviews and say, the reason I'm so interested in this job is because I actually care about this on my off time. And I spent maybe five seconds being unemployed and I got bored and I was like, I need to be doing something. So I do not lose my mind. I started volunteering. You know, I started doing some odd um, ends here and there, odd end jobs here and there to make cash. You know, I babysit, I do whatever. I cat sit, I dog sit to make money. Um, but I needed to do something for me. And so I started this podcast because I knew I could do it. And I had all the equipment. I had everything I needed. So, you know, this is a great way for me to talk about this in interviews and show them that I'm not just sitting on my butt. While I'm just like waiting. I'm sorry. While I'm waiting, quote unquote, for a job to come to me, I'm trying to attract the next opportunity because I made a freaking podcast. Right. So then you can see my other positions here. Um, I actually link them out to articles and websites that support my claims. So I thought this was a great idea. And if you can do it, do it. Um, I link out my podcast to my YouTube. I link out um, some of these other things to um, YouTube videos or um, news articles. It could be other websites. It could be all kinds of things. So um, the other thing that you can see that I do 
is I highlight or bold. I actually bold the data points because I want them to stand out. I talk about, you know, um, I increased participation by 10%. I increased applications by 64%. You know, a lot of my points are data-driven. See, if I can do it, you can do it. If you don't know, just, you know, estimate. Nobody in my eight years of being in the career field has ever disputed my first bullet on my resume. And by first, I mean in sequential order. Down here, my first job as a campus recruiter, nobody has ever come to me and say, oh, you individually increased new college hires by 40% within your first six months of your position. Um, can we have a report to back that up? Nobody has ever questioned that. I don't have such a thing to back it up. You could call my reference that worked there and she could tell you I did, but that was, you know, a long time ago. The other thing, and, you know, feel free other professionals to sound off in, in the comments on YouTube or social media uh, or email. I felt like it wasn't clear why I had holes or gaps in my resume. I felt it wasn't clear why I had holes or gaps in my resume. So I wanted to explain that. So next to the dates where I worked positions, I put promotion. If I got promoted, I put, I put the department lay, was laid off, uh, promotion, department layoff. So there's a bit of a trend here. Um, so you can see, you know, all the things that are contributing to my career search and why I only stayed with the company for two years and why I stayed with the company for five and a half years, right? Um, so think about it that way. The next thing is um, my list. Again, it's uh, sequential. It's in reverse chronological order of all of the things that I am proud of and that I've accomplished. So it's got my um, events going on now. So I made sure to add these two things for March to show that even though I'm not working, these are things that came about because of the podcast but they're also things that came about because again, I'm very passionate about this space. And then at the very bottom, I have my education and some of the things I was involved in. So um, again, this is not the perfect resume. I'm sure people are out there fine, looking at this with a fine tooth comb and are gonna say there are things wrong with it, things they don't agree with. This is just what I found has worked for me recently making these changes. Um, if you asked me last week to look at my resume, it looks totally different. Not completely, but it looks somewhat different. So keep that in mind because as an early talent seeker um, or as a recent graduate or, or college student, um, your resume is not going to look like this. You're going to have a lot more in your education section. You'll have a lot less in your professional experience, but you want to make sure you add data-driven points. And if you're not sure what to add, please look no further. And again, if you get nothing else from this podcast other than what the number one mistake on your resume is, the other takeaway I want you to have is this free tool and free resource that I believe everybody in the world, no matter what, if you need a job or not, everybody should use this because we would all understand each other so much better if everybody took this assessment. It's called 16personalities.com. You can take it for free. These people should start paying me for how much I talk about this website. It is run by the Myers-Briggs team. Um, so if you've ever taken the Myers-Briggs assessment, this is the same test. People can take it for free. What is really fun about this, if you can't tell, again, by my home office, if you're looking here on YouTube, I am a huge nerd. I love Marvel. I love Star Wars. I love everything in between. I took this assessment and my result was an ENFJ or something called the protagonist. It told me I was like Oprah Winfrey. I don't know, guys. I'm hosting a podcast. I might as well be Oprah, right? It told me which fictional characters I'm like. Um, so yeah, I'm like Daenerys Targaryen. I am like the mother of dragons, if you want to know. So yeah, it is a great, um, it's a great tool because if you don't know your strengths or you don't know what data points to add, it will break it down for you what your strengths and weaknesses are based on your personality. Now, anytime we're talking about personalities, nothing is ever 100% accurate. There are things I don't agree with, but on the whole, I agree with the results. So keep that in mind. Don't, you know, 
Don't worry about it. This is, this is the way, <laughs> so to speak. Make sure to take that assessment. It's very, very helpful. All right, so here are some examples that I created by myself on how to quantify value in the job search, right? So you exceeded sales goals by X percent in every quarter of 2022. Again, you only want to be making these claims if they're true. Um, a lot of you out there are studying marketing. That's a huge, huge trend right now. But some of you are going from marketing to sales. Talk about how you grew social media followers from X number to Y number in six months during an internship. Even if you grew it from 200 to 300, again, that's still providing value. Reduce time spent on inventory by X percent by implementing example strategy. Uh, similar, went above and beyond by implementing a filing system, organizing more than X number of documents. Increasing efficiency slash saving X amount of money. You've always heard this old phrase that time equals money, time equals money. Even if you are paid on a salary instead of an hourly wage, guess what? You're freeing up time to do other tasks. If you can do something more efficiently, do it more efficiently, okay? So first of all, time equals money. If you are saving a company time, you are saving a company money. If you reduce overhead by 20%, you save the company $2 million. If you find a more efficient way to go about a process, you save time. If you implement a new filing system that cuts down the amount of time from 10 hours a week to five hours a week, you might save the company $50,000. Sit down and do the math, and there are ways to do this. Use tools that are online. Use your, your best guess and say, if I'm paid $17 an hour, as an intern, minimum wage or whatever, if I'm paid this amount of money um, and I save this amount of time, then let's say, let's go with that example. We'll do one together so you can see. I'm going to use my calculator. Let's say that you are paid $17 an hour and you work part-time, you work 20 hours a week, so that's $340 a week, okay? Let's say that if you work 20 hours a week and you develop a new system that saves five hours a week, that's five hours that you're doing extra work. You're still working those 20 hours, you follow me? But that's saving the company time from doing things the old way, which equals money saved. So let's say it's, you save them five hours. Five times, whoops, 17 is $85 a week. But you're not just saving them $85 a week. Let's say you're working 52 weeks a year. You're saving the company $4,420. Now, this is not $2 million, but let's say you're not the only person using this filing system. Let's say there, it's a department of five people, and let's assume you're all paid the same for the purpose of the example. You saved the company $22,000. I don't know, guys. It's not that difficult, right? And again, like, if you work in the professional world, people know that time equals money. So you could say, you know, I saved X amount of time, or you could say, say that you saved X amount of money, or you could say both. Both are good. Um, if you don't have anything like that, talk about content creation. A lot of you are doing that. Uh, created X new social media posts, blogs, and landing pages, which made up X percent of the company's online content. Do it. If you need help on this, reach out to me. I'll see if I can schedule some time with you. All right, that's what I have for resumes, the number one mistake that people make. That template that I used, feel free for my resume to use it. Some other quick points that I didn't mention. Your resume should be anywhere from 10 point to 12 point font. Mine, because I have so much, is at 10 point font. Your margin should be anywhere from half an inch to an inch. So the screenshot I showed you had zero inches, <laughs> um, but typically you want it to be half an inch. Um, you want your name big and bold at the top, just a, a bit bigger than the 10 point or 12 point font in the body. You want three to five bullet points per job. You want it in reverse chronicle, chronological order from present to, you know, most um, 
tenured position, right? And um, ideally one page. Your LinkedIn is the longer version of your resume. So if there are things that you want to include, you can hyperlink them out like I did. You could, you know, always reference them during the interview. You can point them out on your LinkedIn. So those are just some best practices when it comes to resumes. Um, you want everything to be data-driven. You want it to end in a period or not. You want consistent formatting. And you you can, you know, you can go online. There's a million videos and resources out there about resumes. If you have a question, please write me. Send me a message on social media. Send me an email. I'm looking forward to answering them. And right now, I'm not getting a lot. I'm not getting a lot of messages. So I have time, especially right now while I'm in between jobs, to help you guys a little bit more. I'm happy to maybe even jump on a phone call or a Zoom um, if you're interested because I would love to help. All right. We are going to implement something new because, you know, once you start saying millennials and Gen Z over and over and over again during a podcast, your phone is sitting here and listening to everything you're saying. So I have started seeing more frequent job um, and internship and Gen Z and millennial and boomer memes on social media. And please participate. Send me your memes. I will give you a shout out if you want, uh, because I just am getting such a kick out of them and I love them so much. So let's go into meme corner. So the so the meme corner starts with somebody posted one of the most useless social networks out there. You appeared in 78 searches this week. Whoa, this is worthless. Okay, it's not worthless. <laughs> there could be people that you applied for a position and they're looking at you. If you don't have premium, you can't always tell who's looking at your profile. Some people can hide it. Uh, but sometimes you'll see that it's like salespeople from a company or you'll see like it's some people from a company you apply to or whatever. So it's nice to know when you are appearing in a search because that means, hey, you're getting visibility. So people are looking at you for a job or to sell you something or whatever. So I, I disagree. I don't think it's worthless. Here's an Instagram. Here's an Instagram post. What term do you like better than middle-aged? Someone said the early halfway, late young adult, or peak survival mode. The oldest millennials are standing on the cusp of the life stage known as middle age, traditionally associated with ever less reliable knees and existential aches. What does middle age look like now? And is the midlife crisis real? So my fiance is uh, 39, about to be 39. So he is, I mean, whatever. He's the late young adult like Sarah and Melissa in peak survival mode. So, you know, the, the millennials, the elder millennials, like my fiance are on that end of the spectrum where um, they don't want to necessarily be called middle age. How about this um, CNBC post that millennials bought an abandoned high school for $100,000 and turned it into a 31-unit apartment building? Because housing is so freaking expensive that it's cheaper for us to renovate an old high school than to buy a house <laughs> and rent it out to people, right? So this is very much, you know, indicative of our generation, my, my, my generation. Um, millennials, when they read that side bangs are making a comeback and this girl, and again, this is third eye studio, my hairstylist, Hannah, who posted this, um, <laughs> and you straighten your bangs and you put them like that, you know, you can see my side part. It's okay that they do it like really harshly. Um, so funny. Just, I love that. A great Facebook group. If you're not already in it, zoom means for self quarantines and they kept changing the title. They've changed it a million times. It is so funny. Um, manager telling us we are family. Me has who has applied to 30 other families this week. <laughs> so I personally am triggered anytime a company is like, we're like a family because the last two families I've been a part of have laid me off. And as much as my parents might ever get frustrated with me or, or angry with me, they have never excommunicated me from the family. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to say it. So yeah, I mean, the last two families I've been a part of 
<laughs> have not been families, right? So just think about it that way. I think that I agree with. That's pretty funny. Um, millennials versus Gen Z. Uh, millennials are triggered by seeing Gen Z bring these like low belts back into fashion. And this girl um, on TikTok, she does all these really great, um, <laughs> she does all these great like impression posts and reaction posts of millennials back in the day with that dream mat mousse, really orange foundation that I used to use and the poof that we had and the low belt and the mesh bag and the long skirt and the tank top with lace. Oh my God, I had all of that. I wore all of it. So uh, again, I just feel seen or triggered by those memes. They're pretty funny. Um, next one here, a couple other TikToks and memes. Interview tip. If you made it to the second interview round, you're already qualified to do that job. Don't regurgitate your resume. Make the interview a conversation and build your connection with your interviewer. I thought this was great. This is by, I believe it is Spherian Staffing Florida. Um, so again, you can see as I'm scrolling TikTok on my off time at 9.41 in the morning that um, this is still content that's coming to me. So keep this in mind that this is a great tip when you get to that second interview. That's very validating that they want you to do that job. I got to a final interview stage with the company back in February, and that was very reassuring and very confidence boosting that that meant, that meant they were ready to potentially extend me an offer, that they could see me doing the position. So you don't need to just rehash everything on your resume. Talk about what makes you a top performer and give them real life examples. This next one probably could not be further from the truth, which is so funny that somebody posted this and they said, sad but true. And it says this vehicle is equipped with millennial anti-theft device, which if you don't know, this is a manual transmission, not an automatic transmission. So what that means is you have to manipulate the gear shift. Your car doesn't automatically shift for you. You have to manually operate it. Um, I learned how to drive a stick shift as a millennial back when I was 17 or 18, um, when I got, first got my license, because I went up to Minnesota for the summer to visit my cousins, and they had a, a manual sh uh, shift car, and they were like, you need to learn how to drive this. So, you know, could I do it in an emergency? Probably. Would I prefer to do it? No, I would not. Um, my fiance knows how to drive, you know, a manual. My parents know how to drive manual. My fiance is a millennial. I'm a millennial. Um, so it's not an anti-theft device. But again, we're making broad generalizations about generations. I'm, I'm sure there are many millennials out there who do know how to drive a manual transmission. So don't make the assumption, you know what I mean, that it's going to make sure your car's safe. This last one, I just thought it was so funny because me and my best friend Jennifer have this running joke about worms. And so the worm memes keep finding me and it says dress for the job you want. That's advice we get all the time. I think I talked about this before with confidence. Dress for the job you want, not the job that you have. <laughs> this guy is dressed like a giant worm. And by giant, I mean, look at these three little people <laughs> under him down here. Anyway, so next in meme corner, um, I hope this email finds you well, how it finds me ah, in the mailbox. Hilarious. Um, a couple other things I wanted to include in here that are not specifically memes, but I just thought were really good. Um, so my good friend Stacy is actually a career coach, resume writer, interview consultant. She runs her own business, actually coaching job seekers. Um, so she says, dear job seekers, if you want to find out about a company culture, Stop asking, can you tell me about your culture in the interview? Of course, the hiring manager is going to tell you it's great. Instead, dig deeper with your questions. Ask, can you talk about employee engagement events? Are there training and development opportunities here? What is the process for giving feedback to employees? How does the company celebrate success? Get the facts. If you don't already know Stacy, you should absolutely follow her on LinkedIn. She posts really great content relating to job seeking on the daily. And she's got a lot of great posts that are really funny and relatable. Um, so definitely check her out. This last one I just felt like throwing in here because this was when originally when I was going to record this, this uh, around six years ago in spring of 2017, when I was asked to be a panelist on a panel about millennials. Um, my, my, boss at the time 
was a part of the Tampa Chamber, and she thought it would be a great opportunity for me. I was two years into my role. Um, she thought it would be really great for me to be on the speaking panel and talk about what it's like to be a millennial. And so I got to talk about a lot of the things I talked about on the podcast. So I don't know. It was just a cool moment to see this kind of loop back around. Um, so I wanted to share that with you guys. All right. Last but not least, please, once again, follow me on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please, if you like my content, subscribe to me on YouTube so I can keep making great videos and content for you guys for free. And if you don't already listen to the podcast on Spotify, you can actually stream on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So, you know, go to my link tree in my Facebook or YouTube bio, and you can follow all of the um, shenanigans and whatnot on there. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I'm going to be having my first guest on soon. So if you want to send in a question for our first guest, you can absolutely do so at askintern at gmail.com. But thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. It means the world to me. I want to keep doing this. This is such a fun hobby and it's going to be a great way for a side income eventually. If you please keep helping me spread the word and subscribe on YouTube and um, follow and like on social media. But thanks again for tuning in this week and make it a great one. Take care, everybody. Bye.